Who are the unsung heroes of college football, and where do they project at the next level? Well, we get down and dirty with those who have a hand in the dirt with my next guest right here. It's time for the College Football Legends Podcast. The players. We're going to hit somebody, and we're taking downfield for a touchdown. I guarantee you that. The coaches. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The plays. There goes Davis! Oh my God! Davis is going to run it all the way back! And so much more. College football legends. Heroes come and go, but legends live forever. Believe in college football legends on the Believe Podcast Network. I am Chris Smith. March Madness is here. And the upsets continue to pile up on the road to the national championship. So you need to head to Bet Online. Look, it's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, so it's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. They say the game is won in the trenches. So we take a deep dive into the art of scouting the big men up front and this year's college football stars who are dreaming of playing on Sundays. And there's no one better to break it all down than my special guest on the show, David Turner, owner and president of Mavericks Sports Consulting, director of player personnel for the American National Combines, and host of Friday Night Scout School with the NFL Draft Bible on Sports Illustrated. Give him a follow on Twitter at D underscore Turner 47. Thanks for joining me, David. Hey, I appreciate you having me on. It was really nice of you to invite me to come come talk to you today. Yeah, man. Loving a little college football. And wow, that's quite a resume. I didn't even mention your over 20 years of NFL scouting and CFL executive experience, plus engineering three straight Arena League titles with the world champion Arizona Rattlers. So how did a poli-sci major get into scouting and player personnel positions? Uh, please don't bring that up with my mother. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, it was funny. I was interning for a couple of congressmen, getting my resume ready for law school, and uh, I just decided I didn't want to go. And I was like, what is it that I love to do? And football came up in my brain all the time. And then it became what kind of football, what part, what, what could I see my role longevity-wise, being a five-foot-four, you know, former bench warmer. Uh, what was it I could do? And I said, I've always loved the draft and personnel and, you know, scouting. So I was like, let me take that, that road and try to walk it and see if I, uh, where I could get. Um, and that, that's kind of where the thought process started. And then I was fortunate in 2002 to land a job with the uh, Miami Dolphins and football operations. And that's where the process of understanding how the NFL and, business work so it was really uh it's been i've been very fortunate yeah it's a nice journey and like you said in the nfl you worked with the dolphins raiders 49ers panthers and giants but two names stand out that you work for hall of fame raiders owner al davis and giants gm dave gettleman take me inside the nfl front office under these two legends very different people very very different people <laughs> i would imagine um you know, with Dave, everything is do your job, stay in your lane, don't venture outside, just, just you know, very disciplined, very organized. And Mr. Davis was more of, he wanted to see initiative, he wanted conviction, he wanted people to guard, you know, really guard their position and feel threatened almost every day, because he felt that 
would bring the best out in people. So he created a very competitive environment. And every day you walked in the building, you had to have that commitment to excellence or it could be your last day. Well, that was his motto. That's for sure. And before we get into this year's draft prospects, let's dive into Friday Night Scout School with the NFL Draft Bible on Sports Illustrated. What are the top characteristics you look for and teach when scouting a player? You know, I I have a big six uh, classification for each position. You have competitiveness. You want to know if, you know, regardless of position, are they competing every down at their at their uh, position strength you know again for you know for a quarterback it's arm strength for a defensive tackle it's brute strength it's you know separation hand violence you know but for a wide receiver blocking and you know can they get off jam so strength all always carries over what i call quickness agility balance and strength some people might call it's called quabs in my reports but in the, some people they might call it athletic ability you know, is this person a natural athlete? Stuff like that. Uh, foot quickness is always, uh, regardless of position, something you look for. Um, play speed. Do they play faster than their 40s feet speed or is it this? they play the same? So, you know, those are kind of big six characteristics that go across the board that everybody can be defined on. And then each position has its own specifics. So you, then you have to take all that and compare it into a scheme. And then if, if he fits your scheme, he kind of rises up the draft board because he's a better fit for what you do versus somebody that goes uh, might be a good might be a good 34 defensive end, but he wouldn't fit in the 43. So now he doesn't fit our scheme, even though he's a talented individual. You don't you know, as a team, you, you kind of pass on him or move forward from him. Yeah, exactly. But I was watching uh, a scout school video of you breaking down an offensive lineman. It was fantastic. So let's start in the trenches. What do you look for when evaluating the big men up front? Well, when you're looking at tackles, you want to know how their range is. Can they can they handle the wide nine and get back there? Do they have the the kick power? And also, do they have a good interior post leg? So if a guy does go speed to power and come back in on their inside shoulder, can they anchor and not get pushed, not open a gate to the quarterback once they work to quarterback depth? You want to see pad level on run blocking and a lower body power if they can unroot, uproot defensive tackles or defensive ends um, and really make a wide running lane. Something, you know, you also look for is can they adjust in space, come to balance before a block and hit the hit the more agile players, linebackers, safeties, or are they a guided missile that just hit, you know, can hit somebody if, if the stars align. So these are some things that you look for up front. And one of the major ones is hand placement and punch. If they can uh, place their punch correctly and not forklift their arms, you're going to find a lot more success at the next level. It works in the college ranks when the ball comes out so quickly. But in the NFL, when you need to give your quarterback a half second more, punchers really make the difference. That is the difference. And we're speaking with David Turner, owner and president of Maverick Sports Consulting. And let's get into the college football legends making a leap to the next level. The cream of the tackle crop appears to be Oregon's Penny Sewell. What makes him so special? You know, he reminds me a lot of Walter Jones. He's a massive individual. He's going to weigh in around 330, maybe a little over it. And he's 6'6", great arm length. I think he's a 34-inch arm. And he's able to change direction. He's able. He has great balance and body control. He, he seems like the, the, the game at the college level is slow for him. His eyes track movement on the defensive side of the ball he's very smart astute player he sees twists and stunts happening in real time 
and he adjusts his footwork to accommodate that the the um, reaction and response to those uh, defensive adjustments and games that are going on. So for me, when I watch Sewell, I see I really some people are saying Orlando Pace, but I really look and see more of a, a Walter Jones with a big, massive individual that has good, quick feet. Yeah, well, he was amazing. First sophomore offensive lineman and first duck to win the Outland Trophy. And who's the next tackle off the board in your opinion? You know, I like I know everybody likes the Northwestern kid, but for me, when Slater. I watch him, yeah, Slater, I, I see him more as a guard. You know, I just don't a massive guard. I mean, potential like Larry Allen type guard, right? Like very high profile guard. I just don't see the tackle traits mainly because I don't trust the range with his kick. Um, I think he's, you know, for me, I would project him more to be a high high profile, high pick guard than than tackle. The the kid uh Darasar is a massive uh he's you know Virginia Tech, right? Yeah. He he's a massive he's he's a massive person. A little slender for me in the in the as Gettleman would say, he doesn't have the he doesn't have the big ass I like, you know? <laughs> so not thick in the thighs enough. Yeah, he he ain't a hog mala. So, you know, for me, I think he might be a, a good Rams, Chargers. Uh, looks like what the New York Jets are going to, even the the Niners, more than more than a, a power scheme, Pittsburgh Steeler type. I think he's going to be a little slender. But the Michigan kid, Mayfield, to me, fits more of the power offensive tackle line scheme. So for I might put Mayfield above Darasol and – uh, Slater, just because I think he's a natural fit for a lot more teams at the tackle position. Yeah, well, Mayfield was a three-year letterman, appeared in 18 games in his career, and started 15 times at right tackle. So it really just comes down to a lot, a lot of the times, the scheme. Scheme fit, how you see the players position themselves in those schemes and fit in those positions, as well as then, you know, how do they play? I mean, Sometimes guys are smaller, but they play bigger. Some guys play are bigger and they play smaller. You know, it really comes down to breaking down the film. You know, analytics are fun to look at, but they just support your opinion or they or they negate it. it they never really prove it. Ah, gotcha. And the interior of the O-line isn't so sexy, but it's so important. Uh, how does a player like USC guard Elijah Vera Tucker grade out? You know, I think uh, his tape was okay. I mean, in 2019. At guard, but at tackle in 2020, you know, it wasn't quite as good. So if, you know, as he is projected to move in and play guard, you really got to weigh heavy more on the 19 film sure. when he was there. And I thought that was good film, solid film. Um, it was a player that, you know, really has athleticism to play interior offensive line. I think he'd be great in the wide zone scheme, which we're seeing a lot of in the in the NFL now because he can get out and, like I said, adjust to those smaller players, more agile players, and hit in space and sustain and use his girth on them. And he really imposes his will on the smaller the smaller uh, talent, defensive talent. So for me, I can see him be there um, for a, a team and they, them play him at guard if they're a wide zone scheme. I don't know if he's going to be a power a power scheme guy, though. That's the one thing I, I just don't see in his game. but. Again, if he played consistently guard two years in a row, I might have been more comfortable with his power scheme fit. Sure, he appeared in 25 games in his career and just starting 13. And we're speaking with 
David Turner, owner and president of Maverick Sports Consulting. And who else from the guard and center class should we keep an eye on? Well, Stevenson is obviously the center that I think everybody's really talking about. Uh, you know, he emerged down at the uh, his uh, senior bowl as the top center, and he's got the length, the size, and everything that people want. So I think he would be the top center off the board. And, you know, there's a there's a lot of depth this year. I mean, it's hard to go and pick out the Notre Dame offensive line shoot like everybody. Like they, they really are stacked up in there and they have two guys that fit different schemes. You know, they have a couple of guys I think are better in the, the zone scheme running and they have one guy that's huge in the power scheme. So I think there's going to be a lot of value in the offensive line and you'll see second, third rounders that have 10 year careers and. People go, wow, how did he last so long? Well, because this year is kind of loaded in that area. Yeah, and that way they they end up dropping down a little bit in the draft. And last year's draft, we saw two offensive linemen go in the top 10. Uh, Could we see a record number of offensive linemen taken in this year's first round? And is this the year to grab a bookend? I think this is the year that you definitely will see offensive linemen go early and often as the, the top notch ones are being coveted very well. And the overall draft class, you don't have all the information that you would get in a normal draft cycle because of no combine. The all-star games were limited and access to players. Physicals didn't happen as much as you would like them to happen. So you're really going to see if you got a, a, a three, four-year starter at a position on offensive line and he's healthy and the medical came back clear, I mean, they're just going to take him because they don't want to risk losing out on on a guy like that especially at such a critical position as offensive line yeah and we have a special guest on the show david turner owner and president of maverick sports consulting and speaking of that combine you just mentioned the players and the teams are just evaluating basically at pro days does that benefit the prospect since they'll be comfortable working out in their own environment um you know pro days are great but it's not a controlled environment like the combine or even a a, a all-star game it's one that's put on by the school. So the NFL has very little say on what's going to happen there. You're a guest in their home. So you kind of just show up and you, you, you watch, you know, and you, you let them run the show. It's their, it's their gig. You know, some offensive line coaches or different coaches will come in and run some drills, but you're really a guest in their home. So when you, when you're able to bring a guy in and do a private workout and then you go to the NFL combine, when you do uh, stuff on your own, you get to control that whole environment. Sure. This year that wasn't done. So you're really kind of evaluating on what you've been given, which is limited access all the way through the fall. You know, guys weren't allowed on campus. They weren't allowed at team practices. You're not allowed to do all the background work. Um, you know, like coffee talk that I used to do, <laughs> walk in, get a cup of coffee, talk to a coach on the side, away from the room and, he would have the trust in me to tell me the information that he won't say in, in front of everybody. And, yeah, and you lost that. And you lost all that. So again, it's a, it's a very unique year. It's one that, um, it'll be interesting to see how the, this draft process plays out. Yeah. Especially with all the limited games in some of the conferences, they barely played six or seven games. So it definitely will be interesting. And let's switch to the other side of the ball out of the first round defensive line talent. How does Alabama defensive tackle Christian Barmore project at the next level? I think he's a massive upside. Some, you know, some uh, might compare him to Mark Marcelio Darius. Mm. Uh, he was a beast. A yeah, again, this guy creates a ton of power in tight spaces. He's a solid athlete with rush potential. Um, can play in uh, like 
in odd fronts and even fronts. I mean, he's a lot of versatility. His pads, his pad integrity is good. When he comes off the ball, he's able to really, you know, anchor and, and get his uh, low low in his pad. I, I like him a lot. I think he's going to be a gone early, and whoever gets him is going to be very happy with him. Yeah, well, there's definitely a lot of tape on them, especially going all the way and winning the national championship game where he was selected as the defensive most valuable player. What other interior D linemen do you see going off the board next? You know, I, I can't tell you that I'm like in enamored with a lot of interior defensive linemen this year. Um, so I think whereas offensive line is a nice deep group and that we're going to see uh, them go early and often, I think the interior is going to get pushed. I think you're not going to see a lot of guys go right away. They're going to be more scheme fit individuals. Um, down at the Senior Bowl, you know, there was uh, the UCLA kid who I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name because <laughs> I am awful, awful at that. Um, Same here. But, I mean, yeah, he, he was impressive. I mean, there were a few other guys that I thought were really good. But, again, I don't think the interior rush guys are as many difference makers as I think the offensive line. So you'll see those guys. I think the, the run on D tackles probably will last till round three once the top two or three come off then the rounds three through five you'll see a run on the interior defensive line well when you say that about the defensive line especially the ends also is this where a lot of teams end up reaching for a player that should be taken lower in the draft it depends on the run and and it is i I, i'm a fisherman so i'm always going to talk about runs but (laughs) (laughs) uh, but it depends on the run where if like you know you have like I've been teaching the how you do draft math. If if you're doing your draft board and you only have four guys rated in the top two rounds, and some teams start like you said reaching and dra- overdrafting them, now you have to overdraft in order to make sure you secure mm-hmm. one. Um, whereas a deeper position like this year, you know, uh, wide receivers are going to be they're very deep. You're going to find a playmaker in the fourth, fifth round for sure. So. Mm-hmm. You know, you could be like, listen, I really like this Jalen Smith, but I got to take this other guy because if I don't take him, he's you gone. know, we don't have. Yeah, he's gone and there's not another one of them in this year's draft. So I got to take him instead. And and then down the line, you know, they'll take a, a Nico, you know, uh, Nico Collins. That's his name. Collins. Nico Collins. Exactly. Yeah, um, he might take him later in the draft. So. Yeah. So it's very interesting that that runs do dictate how the draft uh, actually goes. And we're speaking with David Turner, owner and president of Maverick Sports Consulting. And the linebackers also stick their nose in the line of scrimmage. Two linebackers in particular stand out. Micah Parsons out of Penn State and Owusu Kuromoa from Notre Dame. What yeah, are the I'll best traits? I'll call him the Notre Dame kid. Because, uh, <laughs> <laughs> again, I just, I, I'm not going to try it. I'm terrible at pronouncing names. But, um, you know, the Notre Dame guy, he he's really a rover in the four two five alignment. So, you know, he's got short, you know, he's kind of a safety, I think. And, you know, zone is, is a little shaky at points. So I'm not as high on him as I, as translating to the NFL. I think he's got some more growth to him in order to make, make it match it work up for him. Whereas Michael Parsons is, I mean, this guy, when you measure him out, he measures, literally measures almost exact carbon copy to um, both Pat Willis and Ray Lewis. That's a good pair to be uh, compared to right there. Right. Like when I did the measurables, I'm like, this guy was an exact match. So for me, 
I'm looking at him like you can move him around. You can get some rush from him. You can definitely get a middle linebacker, starting Mike linebacker. I've heard he's very smart. His football instincts are incredible. He's very instinctive. He went there as a rush end and then moved to linebacker. So you know he's got skills coming off the edge if you want to do that as a 34 uh, team. So, you know, I think this is a guy who's gone before pick 11. And he's really going to be a rare athlete at the next level to watch in a good career as long as, you know, any concerns that might come from off the field stuff just fade away. Yeah. So you think he's the first defensive uh, talent coming off the board? I do. I, I think he's out rare. I, I, that's where I, I have him there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, he's a consensus All-American by the NCAA and became the first sophomore in Big Ten history to win the Buckus Fitzgerald Linebacker of the Year Award. And what are your impressions of Zayvon Collins, the backer from Tulsa? Zayvon is, you know, for me, is uh, he's a prototypical Sam linebacker, you know, in the K.J. Wright mold. So, you know, more athletic outside guy who's going to help set an edge in the run, can do short areas, small zone or short zone, I should say, underneath zone coverage. I don't know if he's a really man-up guy, but, you know, he has some legit – I think he's got pretty legit speed. But again, I, I just I have to see more there. I don't think they asked him to do it a lot. So I have to watch more before I go with strong conviction. I think his speed's real. I think his coverability has has is good. But again, I'm not really sold on everything with him. Yeah, and without the combines, is it tougher to scout the smaller school products? Doing an apples to apples comparison is tougher. Um, you really like the combine, you like pro days. But you like the all-star games, too, to be able to see the apples to apples and see them on the field together sure. and and do all that. So for me, not having the combine and not being able to put a Michael Parsons next to him and next to everybody else and really size them up together, you know, you're you're you're, you're making uh, educated hypothesis decisions. But again, it's not apples to apples. Yeah, exactly. And. We're speaking with David Turner, owner and president of Maverick Sports Consulting. Are there any other linebackers that pique your interest? No, the, the kid out of Missouri, uh, Mizzou, is really good. I mean, I think he's a Nick is a Nickel uh, Bolston is a nat, natural uh, Mike linebacker, run defender. He's a guy who really can line up and uh, st- you know if your run defense is hurting, he could fix it in a, in a hiccup. <laughs> you know, I think it. Uh, he's probably more of a second rounder, late, late first rounder, second rounder to me, just because I don't know what he's going to bring on third down pass coverage stuff. And, you know, I, I, I like everything about the kid though. He is cut from the right cloth football guy through and through. So this is a kid that I think if your run defense is hurting you, you're in, and you need a middle linebacker, this is a guy that you're going to go get. That's the man in the middle for you. Let's take a look at the QBs. There's Lawrence Fields, Wilson at the top, it seems like. But who stands out from the group of, like, Mac Jones, Trey Lance, Kyle Trask, Davis Mills from Stanford? Well, if you're buying stock in Wilson, I got some land in Florida. Oh, really? Okay. That you should really invest in. (laughs) And send me your money, and I'll put it to work for you. Okay, well, give me Um, – lay it out. Who's your top five, then? Well, no, I mean – for me, I, I think this class is nowhere near the talent of what we've seen in the past and what we're going to see next year. Everybody besides Lawrence has a question mark. You know, Trey Lance is coming out, very skilled, very athletic individual, impressive young man um, as a leader and everything I'm hearing off the field checks out. The question mark, obviously, with him 
is you know limited play play time limited tape to evaluate wilson you know i'm sorry but when you went to coastal carolina mm. and played the game you didn't you didn't look impressive didn't and, rise you know, to the challenge yeah i don't see it so for me you know a drew Brees would have walked in there and just lit him up and drew Brees was the first pick in this you know second round so you know again i just don't see it i don't i don't see it with wilson um and everybody wants to you know anoint him and i'm just not there i like trey lance a lot i really think he's got good good skills but again limited time i'm just not sure and then fields to me is more athlete and he has a long way to go uh, i think he struggles in reading defenses and making making the second and possibly the third read fast enough in order to get the ball out, not saying you can't get there. He just doesn't have it coming in. So he's not instant coffee. You know, he's one that has to percolate and, and develop a little bit. And unless you're like the Falcons that has some time because you got your guy under contract for a year or two, you are going to struggle with him. If you think he's walking in the door and going to solve your problems right now. Yeah. It's not um, somebody you could throw into the, throw into the fire right away. Right. Now when you have Kyle Trask to me is a, is a very good second round pick. But, you know, I love his accuracy. I really thought he put balls on guys all year um, in places that were very receiver-friendly, that they could run with it easily. And you saw a lot of yards after a catch from Kentarius Tony and Pitts. Uh, the balls were really dimes all year. So I like him. I think he's very, very undervalued. And in the right scheme, in the right fit, a West Coast fit, he could be a dangerous person. So, you know, and same with Mac Jones. I think those two are very similar. I, I like Kyle Trask more than Mac Jones. I know a lot of people like Mac Jones more, but I'm in the I'm in the minority there. That that's okay. Got to have a difference of opinion, that's for sure. And if you could draft just one running back, is it Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, or maybe one I didn't mention? Man, it's hard to not draft a kid out of out of UNC. I mean, shoot, that kid's and both those kids at UNC are super oh, impressive. Yeah, Williams and Carter, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh my God, what a tandem those two are. I love Najee Harris. So, I mean, come on. He's prototypical. He's exactly what I've been taught to like in a running back. I mean, he he's a guy that you just – you got to love. He catches the ball. He runs the ball. He's a big guy. You know, he's got the measurables. He's got the – he's played at Alabama. He's done everything. So, I mean, and ATN, honestly, I picked ATN to win the Heisman because I really thought ATN going into the season was going to have a breakout year, and he's so fast at his pro day. It was a little too heavy for me. I think he should still be about 205, 208 and play his weight there because he's got incredible speed at that size and his really good run instincts too. So the 215 really surprised me at his pro day. But I don't think you get wrong with any of those guys. There's, this is another, this is a running back heavy draft. You'll so find the value later on. You will definitely find the value second, third, and fourth round. You'll find a fourth rounder this year that gets drafted and People will be like, how did he last in the fourth round? <laughs> well, we'll be looking forward to it. And how does Minnesota wide receiver Rashad Bateman stack up against the likes of like Chase, Smith, and Waddle? Man, you're talking Waddle. I'm talking him all day long. Hey, that yo, that's the guy that that's that everybody's been talking about, to be honest with you. you I've always heard the Alabama Mac Jones, but you got to look at Jalen Waddle out, out of uh, Alabama. Dude, Waddle, I, last year when they had all those guys at Alabama, I was watching tape. And I text a buddy of mine who's a college director in the NFL. I said, have you seen this 17 from Alabama? Mm -hmm. Because he's not draft eligible. I said, I don't give. 
I'm like, his stop and start, his ability to change direction is so rare, it's ridiculous. Is it the injuries that uh, kept him out of a couple games that kind of had him drop well, off the broke, radar? Well, yeah, he broke his he broke his lower leg, and it you know it was a clean, easy break. But I mean, when you do that, you know, people wonder how you're going to come back from it. And you know, he came back in the national championship game, ran a couple routes, and was still hobbled by it. I thought he was pushing it a little too early, um, but it shows you his competitive nature and what he wants to do. And as long as that heals up right, man, that guy is a rare individual. That ain't that ain't an, a, a, He's a rare individual. It's just unbelievable what he can do on the football field. And then, um, you know, obviously Chase is just amazing. I mean, I think he he's a guy that will be like Jefferson was talked about this year. Chase has a, a chance to do that next year, um, fit in the right scheme. So, you know, it, it's he's he's really an excellent player. And then Smith, you know, he if he if he wasn't uh, as thin framed as he was or as he is, he translate all his other skills, his toughness, his hands, his adjust, his catch radius, all the other stuff translate to the NFL. It's just the thin frame that people are, are uh, you know, leery of. That's, that's the that's the question mark for him. Yeah, and when you said the Minnesota kid, I think the Minnesota kid is is very good player. I just think that with all the receivers this year, you're gonna find him slipping down because again, D tackle is gonna pop up because there's just a few of them. You're going to have a couple of the linebackers pop up because there's, you know, once you get through the first four, it kind of drops off. And now receivers get pushed down because people know we'll, we'll get them later, you know? So yeah, they, they're going to do the wait and see mode on that one, definitely. And like you said, some teams are going to have the couple players on the board that they're going to have to reach for when they see the run going. And we're speaking with David Turner, owner and president of Maverick Sports Consulting, director of player personnel for the American National Combines and host of Friday Night Scout School with the NFL Draft Bible on Sports Illustrated. And one more player, Kyle Pitts. Is he a wide receiver in tight ends clothing? No, he's a tight end. Uh, you know, I really love this kid. I think he's a difference maker at tight end. He, he blocks well enough. And again, he can put some more pride in his blocking and, and pan out there if he chose to. Um, you know, he's a guy that, for me, watching a lot of Florida film this year, I was just impressed with, I mean, he's such a natural pass catcher. You got to look back at, you know, to me, old school, uh, Vernon Davis, Delaney Walker, a little mm. bit, you, oh, yeah. you know, there's, there's a, you know, there, he's a pass receiving tight end for sure. But, you know, a Shannon Sharp, you know, was, was a guy that, or not, uh, yeah, Shannon, he was a guy like him who wasn't really a massive blocker but he had good size to block. And I think the pits will put on another five or eight pounds and he can pick his blocking up, but you really just want this guy to settle in and be that difference maker at the line of scrimmage. He's not going to be a 255 Kittle or something, you know, he's a 248 type kid, but you know, he's going to make a lot of money catching that rock. Oh yeah. Well, the way they're using the tight end now in the NFL, he's going to be a, a good steal for somebody Probably not a steal because he's probably going to go early. To be honest with you, yeah, I think I think you'll see him off the board before fifteen for sure. You oh. know, I know that people are talking about the Giants and stuff, but I think he goes maybe just a little bit past the Giants, and, uh, and he'll be a weapon for sure. Definitely. And who are the big winners and losers? You were talking about uh, pro days thus far in ATN weighing in a little heavy. Who's been the big winner and uh, who has dropped off from their uh, pro days this far? 
Well, shoot, who was it? Uh, Eric Stokes yesterday hitting that four-two, whatever Woo-hoo. at Georgia. Talk about winning because he posted it. <laughs> he posted it like a week before, and no one believed him. They're like, "Yeah, we'll see what he does on his pro day." And then yesterday he blazed it, and I was just like, "Ooh, doggy!" That'll there make, we go. That'll make you some coin right there. That'll make it for you. That get it. And and his arm length is like thirty-two. So Al Davis always taught me if a, if a if a corner has an arm length of thirty-two or greater, it's like an extra tenth on their forty mm. because because now they can get that arm up there and slap balls away and outreach and out position, you know, the receivers and stuff. So that was a measurable comparison that Al always made and liked to have guys like, you know, Nandi Asamoah and stuff and Charles um, that had those longer arms, even if they weren't, you know, the four five or the four two five guy, you know, if they were four, four and, had the 32 inch arm he was happy with it yeah that extra arm length makes a difference that's interesting and i heard in an interview you say a scout and teams make their money in rounds three through five who are some of those players you're looking at on day two and day three you know i haven't set my final board yet because you know the march first date kind of kind of pushed my evaluations back a little bit um with them pushing the you know seniors back to march first to announce so it's only been a few days since I've gotten a chance to say, okay, this is the final draft class. But I really think that players like Nico Collins, that's probably going to be a second or third round pick, will be a vertical stretch guy that, you know, Fitzpatrick, um, another receiver that was down at the Senior Bowl, uh, a Herbert running back that was at the Senior Bowl out of Virginia Tech, out of Kansas, will get picked up late. Felton, running back out of UCLA. These are all guys that are going to get picked up late that I think will really make a difference next year um, when it comes into playing, you know, at the next level. Cooper out of Ohio State, pass rusher, was really impressive. I don't see him as a, a round one or two guy. Yeah, the I think former five-star guy? Yeah, I think he'll be a round three, uh, round three guy. But he played at down the senior bowl. He showed off stand-up off the edge, uh, wide nine, and he moved into, like, a three technique and used his versatility. Um, guys like, you know, Brown out of Northern Iowa, right tackle, really went down and made an impression on a lot of people. I'd be surprised if he hits round three, but if he does, people will be running up to uh, use the right tackle. They'll be running up to draft him. So it's all about the draft math. And once this free agency hits, then I can do better uh, predictions because I know what teams need what, sure. who address what. And I think, you know, as we're seeing yesterday and even this morning, we're seeing a lot of players that are getting one and two year deals. So a lot of the teams are still setting their rosters uh, to know where some of these kids are going to land and fall. And then you can start predicting runs because you see draft order. And then you say, well, he addressed that in free agency, but it's only a one year contract versus here. This guy addressed it with a three year contract guy. So now they're going to draft this way, draft that way. And the, you know, the dominoes start falling into place yeah, more all accurately. The, all the pieces of the puzzle start coming together. And our guest on the show, David Turner, owner and president of Maverick Sports Consulting, director of player personnel for the American National Combines, and host of Friday Night Scout School with the NFL Draft Bible on Sports Illustrated. Give him a follow on Twitter at D underscore Turner 47. And you have so many ventures. Tell me about the Maverick Sports Consulting. Maverick Sports Consulting was created in 2015 to help young men with the interview process. We've worked with the likes of Giovanni Bernard, Todd Gurley, uh, Dante Fowler, Marcus Peters, um, many Melvin Gordon, many others. 
And what we try to do is work with um, them on how to take the business approach towards the events that are coming their way. So if they're going into a, an interview, how do you approach that and make them understand that you're their right choice? Because when you're, when you're trying to convince a business decision maker about you, it's not so much your play on the field, it's your personality, it's your character. How are you gonna fit in the locker room? How are you gonna fit with their coaches? How are you gonna fit with their culture? their branding, their messaging of, you know, who they are. And can Jerry Jones trust you to wear the star on your chest on mm. a Saturday night out on the town? Or, you know, are you going to be able to represent the Steel City correctly in their community? These are things that they don't, that a lot of these players don't really understand. But these are billion-dollar businesses, so you have to teach them, you know, the right way to communicate. So we do interview training. We teach them how to take the Wonder Lake to maximize their opportunity there. And then we work with them even through their careers, stay in contact with them about media stuff or something's coming up, you know, or something did happen. They can call us and we can help strategize with their agents and their other people around them. And as a decision maker, I know what I'm looking for. I am know what, what other decision makers are looking for. So that's the one advantage by hiring Mavericks. People are able to gain for themselves and their clients. Yeah, there's so much more that goes into it than just being a football player. That's for sure. Did you ever take the Wonderlick test? I know I never on the had. side. Oh, you got to get one and try it on the side. Be... I, I have them, but I just never did it. So <laughs> I was like, no, I have never done it. Want to see how you rank. Well, it really seems like you propel athletes and professionals at all levels to the highest point of their career. So I want to make sure everybody checks out Maverick Sports Consulting. All right. It's time, time to go. Ready for this? Three and out. It's time to go three and out with David Turner, president of that Maverick Sports Consulting. It's three-letter questions to close out the interview. First off, you work closely, like you were saying, with NFL draft picks like Melvin Gordon and Todd Gurley, but your alma mater, San Francisco State University, has produced 13 NFL players, and it's where Mike Holmgren got his collegiate coaching start. So who is the pride of the Gators? Man, you are ass. Asking something I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the answer. You can just say Mike Holgram. Yeah. Some of the yeah, some of the I, names I on there, Billy Barrett, Elmer Collette. Like, when I went to San Francisco State, they had already dropped their, their football program. So I oh. don't know. That is awesome. I knew Mike went there and or got his coaching career started there. Yeah. But as a political science guy, like George Miller, Congressman George Miller was for a Gator too and, <laughs> and stuff like that. So it's like, you could ask me Polly Sai, I can tell you. <laughs> that I was not prepared to. Yep. Holmgren had to start uh, as the offensive coordinator in 1981. Go purple and gold. All right. Number two, do you just sleep for a week after the draft is over? <laughs> no. How exhausted have you got to be? <laughs> No, actually, after the draft is when you got to get back to work. That's oh, something I'll do. It never ends. It never ends because as, as soon as the draft's over, you got to sign the undrafted free agents. And then typically you have a rookie mini camp. You got to fill out for all the players that didn't get drafted. You got to put the right group together to make sure that that's how I found like Marcel Reese. You know, Marcel Reese was a player I signed over in Oakland. I met him at an all-star game, Texas Nation, and scouted him in college. And then we brought him in for a rookie mini camp. And uh, got him on and um, signed after that. And then Marcel had like an eight, nine year career with the Raiders and he's an executive there now. So, you know, that you, you still, there's still players out there that just got overlooked, the measurable was wrong or what have you, or it's a position switch like Marcel. We switch him from receiver to fullback and you, you just have to trust in your eyes and, and get back to work to, to find these, 
these gems, you know? So, and then a lot of other teams are going to fine tune their, their rosters with maybe, you know, they signed a priority free agent, have their rookie camp, release him. And then they signed somebody in their camp. So then you have to make sure, you know, those guys are going to keep reworking it. And, you know, it, wow. and then there's, there's the June 1st cuts that you find too. So you don't get to sleep until about July. Uh, <laughs> And then once July July fourth hits until like training camp opens, you catch up on that's, your rest and get back to work. That's that's the downtime. Well, twenty four seven, three sixty five. It almost seems like. And finally, I'm a foodie. So, what would be one legendary place to grab a meal from San Francisco and in the Tempe, Arizona area? So, from San Francisco, there's a place called Skomas. Now, Skomas is a. They have their own fishery. They go out and they do all their. Own, it's right behind. Uh, pier 39 okay yeah i was gonna say is it right in the pier it's it's right it's right it's it's hidden in back of fisherman's wharf but when you go to skomas and you you get uh pacino uh the crab uh chipino it's Mm. amazing it's amazing so that would be the one there if it's not there and you like more like uh sports party type feel uh you go to lefty old duels lefty old duels is a is a great great uh sports bar to go watch some games hang out great sandwiches it's just incredible now over here in tempe i'll be honest when i moved here 11 years ago i was like surprised how of all the uh great restaurants and things here uh in the state of arizona there's a lot of chefs down here that really take pride in what they do and how they uh you know all their food and everything so i mean that's hard there's there's so many great restaurants down this way who's one i can pick though um What's what's the favorite delicacy there? What what is what's the area? Well, the Mexican, the, okay, so Tex-Mex? the best Mexican, you know, no, not Tex Mex, right? Straight Mex. Straight up Mexican. Straight. Yeah, the Mission is a Mexican restaurant that's in Old Town Scottsdale, and it's uh, it really, it's really good Mexican food. Great. Uh, they hold, they make their own tortillas and everything, so it's really as authentic as I found down here. So I would say the mission, if you're in Old Town Scottsdale, you got to you got to find the mission and go to that. Mm, Two good recommendations, that's for sure. And we've been speaking with David Turner, 20 years as an NFL scout and CFL executive, owner and president of Maverick Sports Consulting, director of player personnel for American National Combines and host of Friday Night Scout School. You got to check it out online. Look it up. That's with the NFL Draft Bible on Sports Illustrated. Give him a follow. He's pumping out some great content on Twitter at D underscore Turner 47. Thanks a lot for joining me, David. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate all the time you gave me today. Thanks for listening to the Believe in College Football Legends podcast. Make sure to check out all the prior episodes with Heisman winners, legendary coaches, and sports personalities reliving the greatest plays. You can tweet your questions at the Sports Jesus and join us next week because it will be legendary.